Welcome back to Chat with the Designers, a weekly technical discussion forum for amateur radio homebrewers and experimenters, with your hosts, George N2APB and Joe N2CX. Uh, good evening, all. This is the uh, March uh, 13th uh, chat with the designer session here on um, QRP Homebrewing, uh, presented by uh, myself, uh, Joe Everhart, and uh, George Heron, with the two, uh, two folks who run this. Um, we run it weekly on, uh, at uh, 8 o'clock on uh, 8 o'clock Eastern time, be it Eastern Standard or these days, uh, Eastern Daylight Standard Time, um, with uh, technical topics and uh, discussions. Uh, tonight's topic is Introduction to Digital Data Modes. Uh, it's a pretty polished uh, presentation that George has put together, and I think you'll find it very informative. George, why don't you kick it off? All right, Joe, thanks very much. And again, welcome everybody to tonight's session of Chat with the Designers. We really enjoy doing this session each week. And had take various input that you guys and others kind of suggest for what would be of interest to discuss from a from a high level view but also from an informative view how do you do this kind of stuff well some of the requests coming in have been about digital modes and uh, there's been a lot of activity and picking up of interest in some of the a more recent one which we'll cover along the way jt65a so along the road of getting to that type of a of a point we thought that it would be a good recap uh, to start at the beginning. So we're going to do that. And if you're looking at the slides, the uh, actually the material that I've got there on the website, I list uh, what we're going to be what we're what we're going to be covering here tonight. And bottom line is, you know, just what is uh, you know digital communication. We often hear uh, all sorts of, as I said in the intro, there's a lot of beeps and boops and, and burrs and buzzes and whaps and weird sounds that you really can't figure out what they are when you tune across the, not only the ham bands, but the short wave bands. And I'm an avid uh, or short wave listener. I kind of enjoy trying to find some of those stations and to determine exactly what kind of transmissions are going on. Is it military? Is it taxi? Is it airport? Is it police? Is it ship to shore? Is it uh, ham radio? So these are all covered in a, a plethora of digital modes that we encounter just about every time we turn on the radio. So we're going to talk about what is digital communication, and then we're going to survey some popular digital modes and actually give audio samples. Uh, if you go to the website and click on one of the slides that talk about one digital mode or another, if it's set up right in your computer, you'll be able to actually hear the digital mode examples of it as taken off the air. I'm not sure if I'll be able to capture it when I uh, um, hear and retransmit it, only because of sound card uh, unknowns that I have on my side, but I'll give it a try. And you can certainly do it locally on your side. So just accept whatever media is requesting to play when you do that, and uh, you can have a go at it. And then, once we kind of overview a sample, there, there are literally tens uh, digital modes. I want to say a hundred. I don't know. There's just a lot. We can't cover them all tonight. So what we're going to cover is just a couple of the, the highlights, uh, the, the useful ones, the popular ones, the old ones, the brand new ones, and the ones that sound like really crazy signals on the air. 
and we'll talk about those a little bit. What they're used for, what they're good for, uh, what the bandwidth is, what, uh, what kind of service uses that. And then we're going to talk about how to set your station up to uh, receive the digital modes, to be able to decode and display the digital modes and even transmit the digital modes. Mostly with your, all you need is just a uh, patch cable from your radio to your computer's sound card. Um, but there's just a couple of little subtleties in there and we can help guide you through and these slides hopefully will serve as a reference for you later on when, when you actually give it a try of doing it. It is a blast. You really need to give it a try. If you haven't done the digital modes, you really need to give it a try. Um, and then finally, of course, um, da -da -da -da, is the new PSK, the NUE PSK digital modem is a way to do all of that without the computer. We don't need no stinking computer, as you've sometimes heard me say before. And uh, this is a great way to get a smattering of the digital mode support just in a little box. So the box plus your um, transceiver, throw a battery in there and you can take it out in the field and it's just really easy for portable digital mode operation. Um, before we get started, does anybody have any specific questions or things that uh, maybe I said along the way that is not understood? Okay, hearing nothing, we'll get right into it. What is digital communication? And again, I've got some slide material, a little graphic that I'm looking at on the website. It's just my representation here of a, a simple receiver block diagram that uh, takes um, an input at the bottom. And I, I have it uh, shown like audio oscillator. And it mixes it with a local oscillator, FC, in order to produce a transmitted spectrum that is modulated by the various audio inputs or, or that were given in the bottom. In other words, the voice, uh, we're all familiar with voice communications whereby you've got a microphone that delivers an audio signal to a mixer. And it mixes with that FC, that uh, the frequency of the carrier, to produce... Uh, spectrum that you would be able to detect um, um, that you're actually sending out your antenna at RF frequencies and it's going to be at your the frequency of the carrier FC plus and minus uh, generally the audio signal that you're transmitting and there's filters there that take out either the lower sideband or the higher sideband depending on which you're operating I show there is upper sideband is what's being uh, uh, transmitted now, CW, which, by the way, is the oldest digital mode around, um, is uh, oftentimes just an on-off of a carrier, of that FC carrier is either on-off, or sometimes in some of our radios what we do is we turn on and off an audio tone of, say, 800 or 650 hertz. So we turn on and off an audio frequency that, uh, again, modulates that... Uh, frequency of the carrier that I mentioned before, and you get the either tone or no tone being, um, or signal or no signal being present in the RF spectrum. Now comes the digital modes. So for digital modes, what we do is what we have a bunch of, we still have a bunch of ones and zeros that we're dealing with. That's the nature of uh, ones uh, of digital mode, of course. And what we do is that we use those ones and zeros to modulate the, um, an audio signal in a certain way. Um, oftentimes, it's a phase shift that's being affected by the data being a 1 or a 0. Sometimes it's frequency, differ, uh, diff, uh, changing frequency is what's caused uh, by the 1s and zeros that come along. And uh, nonetheless, those audio tones, again, go through the same process of modulating, being modulated by the oscillator. So again, 
Digital mode, in this case, in the most simple view of it, is nothing more than modulated audio tones in a certain manner that follows a protocol, which is a way to understand what is being sent if you're on the receiving side. And um, it's able to be handled um, pretty easily by the computers on both sides. Computer uh, used for sending and computer used for receiving, um, of course, with the appropriate sound cards. So I just wanted to kind of frame it in a very simplistic terms as far as digital communications being a genre. It's within the same realm of, um, frankly, it's probably within a realm of everybody's radio. Uh, if it's a sideband radio, for sure, you have the ability to, uh, to handle the digital modes. Now, as I go on in the next, uh, uh, the next slide here, there's just so many modes and so little time. Take a look at those modes. There are a lot, and that's only a part of them, like holy mackerel. Um, whether it's PSK31, we're going to start off with that one, or Hal Shriver, or, or Chip, or Pax, Synop, Cocolette. Um, I don't even know what some of those are. But those are all in um, all different protocols that are in uh, in use at one time or another. And uh, it, it's used for communicating various kinds of information. And as I said, one of the foundations of each of these modes that we'll talk about are its use, its strengths, its weaknesses, its bandwidths, and uh, um, how, you know, uh, what, what service might be uh, actually using it. So there, there's a lot of them. And, and I don't even have CW on there as the, low, uh, as the oldest mode. And probably with many of us here on this, uh, on this chat with the designer station, we, uh, we still love CW an awful lot. And that sort of says a lot about the decoding that goes on between the ears. You don't need no stinking computer in order to do decoding of CW. However, it, it helps sometimes. Uh, but nonetheless, it's the oldest and uh, most reliable and the simplest of radio. And uh, with low power and narrow bandwidth, you can really get, uh, get the message through. Alrighty then, PSK31. I'm going to try it here. So if you're going to hear, if you hear a tone, we'll be successful. If not, um, it's just not going to work. Um, it, it does. So hopefully you can hear that. Okay. So hopefully that came through a little bit. Okay. So phase shift keying, PSK, is, you know, it's probably the most popular of the newer digital modes. There's a ton of information on the web regarding... Uh, this and actually its its core is called BPSK um, biphase shift keying and uh, our binary and there's also a quadrature uh, phase shift keying and that improves um, uh, reception a little bit more now PSK 31 has guess how many guess what the data rate is it's 31 meg it's 31 Hertz so it's not overly fast, but PSK31 is a, um, what we call a, a conversational mode by keyboard. In fact, the designer, uh, the inventor of PSK31, um, Peter Martinez, uh, G3 PLX, I'm not sure, um, is uh, still very active today. And he is quite adamant, quite adamant. Now, this is a, this is a uh, conversational mode. You don't really care. There's no error check-in. Um, and there's typically no way to easily send files and attachments. And then if you would, you know, without error checking, that would be, uh, could be problematic because you wouldn't get a hundred percent copy of, of every bit 
that might be sent in a data file. But the idea for this is conversational um, speeds, which is about 31 baud. It's a comfortable hunt and peck type of keyboard for ham radio operators. And, uh, and again, there's no uh, error checking because really there's no need to check. I mean, how many times do you hit backspace when you're typing and you misspell a word and you say, oh, well, what the heck? You know, you get the idea. And again, the, the brain is able to kind of interpolate there in easy conversational mode. So um, th that's what it is. And the idea is that you can fit an awful lot of uh, signals into the same bandwidth. Because of that 31 hertz bandwidth of the signal, you can fit a lot of the PSK31s into a bandwidth that would normally be operated by an SSB signal, which is about 2.4 kilohertz. So, you know, it's easy such as in this display here, to have some, I don't know, 15, 20 different QSOs. If you look on the screen, each one of those tracks, those, frankly, over-modulated tracks, um, um, red and yellow, are a conversation in progress. And you might see some tracks up and down that kind of stop and go again. That's when the, uh, the transmitting station actually stops uh, and, and goes from transmitted to receive mode. So again, this is a, a nice and convenient low bandwidth way for uh, communicating information. And it's very popular uh, pretty recently within the last maybe five, six years. It's been just super popular. All right. Now, in, uh, in uh, radio teletype, RIDI, R-T-T-Y, I say is one of, one of the oldest HF modes. And, you know, hams were using it like for ages and ages. So it's it's been around for a while, and it's got a very characteristic kind of sound to it. Um, and it's just about as popular as, uh, or at least it has been as popular leading up to PSK here in the handbands. You know, years years ago, the only way to really get on RIDI was to be using a mechanical terminal unit, such as a Creed 7 series, and they were big and noisy and, and messy. And these days, virtually, you know, all RIDI is done, you know, by sound, computer card combinations. Um, if I'm sure you've heard radio teletype before, but nonetheless, I use this story because everybody can well identify with the movie, you know, the Robin Williams movie, Good Morning Vietnam. Good morning, Vietnam. And he was a communications op, um, or at least an announcer. And you would often see him going back to the communications room and you'd see a whole rows and rows of radio teletype equipment, you know, um, 45 baud or, um, uh, and, and other speeds that typify the kind of mechanical equipment that we we're talking about here. And again, uh, most amateurs use 45 baud, and baud is the speed. Uh, bits, um, actually baud, I think it's, it, bit, baud is bits per second, and uh, RIDI has five bits per character. So it differs a little bit then you know, from um, ASCII, if you're into some of the nomenclature, for text that we had and that we deal with today in computers. And then there's a 170 uh, hertz shift usually, or even a uh, 425 hertz or even 850 hertz. So different variations of uh, the speeds were, have been around and it tailors to you know just different uh, people and groups. And it's uh, transmitted on LSB, on lower sideband. That's kind of a, an unusual thing. No matter which band you're doing it on, and it's usually the lower bands, I think, has been uh, where it's been more prevalent, mainly because it's been around for a long time and our lower bands came into operation first. So uh, it's a, an LSB, lower sideband kind of uh, 
um, sound. And again, you know, if you haven't clicked on it yet yourself, you know you can hear. So that's that's kind of what uh, radio teletype sounds like, and I don't know what shift that was. One of the things we're going to get to that's kind of cool, um, well, it's very cool actually, is FL Digi. It's a program for your PC that handles just about every single one of the modes that we're talking about here. And there's a number of applications for your PC that take these kinds of sounds from your radio and um, into your sound card, and it applies the protocol or the demodulation scheme such that you can actually see on the screen the communication that's going on. And again, it's way cool. I mean, it, there are a few things besides maybe your first CW contact or your first voice contact. There are a few things that can match up with your first digital contact because you actually see somebody typing to you. And, and one of the coolest thing, I didn't mention it with PSK31, is that it's, it's a great low power, um, a great low power mode. You don't need a lot of power to transmit it, and you don't need, and, and, and the receive side is able to dig it out pretty well because the, again, the algorithms, the receiving algorithms, the phase shift keen algorithms are pretty good at decoding within noisy environments. Now, what this means, and you can try this out if you haven't done it yet or you haven't realized it, you, you know, you're in for a treat. Go to where the band is dead um, and um, send out a CQ. In you know, go to the digital mode area as the frequencies are indicated here on the slides. But go to those digital mode areas and you don't hear any conversation or it's going on, and just send CQ for a while. And I'll bet you a nickel that pretty soon, on an average day, you'll have somebody come back to you, and uh, you're going to look and say, "Holy mackerel! I've only got like five watts, or if ten watts is what I'm transmitting. This guy is over in you know Beijing or or wherever." And uh, the true, truly, it's it's anecdotal, which means you know, hey, this works great because I talked to somebody in Beijing. But at the same time, it's um, it's it, it's amazing. You draw drops because you don't even see his signal sometimes. Yet he's coming back to you, and that's the kind of the the excitement that comes with digital mode is uh, some of the low power capabilities. All right, um, on on to Pactor. Um, Pactor is kind of an interesting one. Um, HF mailboxes use Pactor a lot to forward messages to users. Um, it has a lot of bad press recently, mainly due to the actions of few inconsiderate operators who cause interference deliberately by uh, to existing users of the digital subbands. And uh, I, I get a feeling that just because of the bandwidth that we're talking about here, it's a wider bandwidth, as you can see, it is. Uh, uh, two times a hundred baud PSK. Um, approximately, I'm not sure what that means, but it's a it's a 400 hertz bandwidth, and um, as compared to a 31 hertz bandwidth, it's obviously more than 10 times the size of a PSK 31, which means that you can get 10 times fewer Pactor signals in as a standard uh, swath of uh, RF that you might be bringing in with your sound card. Um, it was developed in 1991. There are three different versions, and uh, this picture here um, is, is sh again showing the. It's a two-lobe or a, a double, um, a double signal, and it's part of the protocol that uh, you're able to actually see on a spectrograph. And by the way, these are signals that you would see on a spectrograph. If you haven't seen a spectrograph or have heard it called that, it's a typical waterfall type of um, display that many 
of the programs have these days and it's a great way for seeing audio that happens to be transmitted at given um, at the given frequencies. On this picture here it shows 101.42. Don't know what that means but typically they would oh 10 it's probably 10.142 uh, so it's 30 meters. So you see the audio superimposed and and, and takes the local oscillator into account to actually give the RF representation of where your signal is. So if you click on uh, Pactor signal, you will, you'll hear it. Sort of sounds like whales and heat or something, but you'll actually uh, pick that one out in a noisy crowd for sure because of its distinctive uh, nature. It uses error correction. This one uses error correction, and as a result, it's really good for error-free burst mode type of operation. If you need to get data through and you, um, you, need, you cannot afford dropouts of your data, you would be using Pactor, either Pactor 1, 2, or 3. Um, Pactor 2 and 3 require some hardware encoders and decoders, so that's maybe not uh, um, as easily accommodated. But as a result, also because of error correction, it takes a little bit longer to send a message over a less than perfect band, um, you know, and path that we've got, because the transmitting station is going to continue over and over and over trying to um, send that message. So if I send something to you, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and you you missed the four or the five, you know, you heard one, two, three, six, seven, eight you would send back to me, you being the computer Pector algorithm, would send back to me, hey, I missed something in these packets, can you resend it? So I'll resend a portion of that message, and maybe it the, the interference happens again, and you would send back. So it's back and forth until you get a, a, an error-free uh, uh, transmission. Nonetheless, it's, uh, it's in use today, and, and it's good for that error-free communication. Okay, MFSK. Multi, um, what does it stand for? Um, gosh, multi-key shift. I'm not really, I've forgotten. Um, that is, uh, it was introduced pretty pretty as of late um, in 2000 by uh, a guy, by um, an Italian uh, fellow. And um, it's similar to what we call the, the Piccolo or Piccolo uh, system, MFSK in general. Um, it's really good. It's very good under poor propagation conditions. So, um, you know, if you've got some noisy situation, noisy RF um, um, or, or local interference, you're able to pick that out uh, pretty well. The uh, usual variant of MFSK is, again, MFSK 16, what we're showing here, but there are other modes that are in development and, and, um, uh, kind of offshoots or related to some others, such as Domino. Um, it's sideband dependent, and you have to have your receiver set to the correct sideband in order to decode it properly. Um, it's not too, uh, uh, well, it's like lower sideband and upper sideband. If you don't have the right sideband and you're trying to listen to a, an SSB transmission, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be SOL. So you better get their PDQ to the right LSB or USB. Um, the tuning is pretty critical, and as I say there someplace, AFC, automatic frequency correction really helps. So let's click on MFSK 16. 
pretty distinctive um, there too. And it um, there are 16 actual um, uh, states. I'm not sure. And by the way, I'm not I'm not an expert. I just kind of dabble in a lot of the stuff. A lot. Some of you guys might be very specific, uh, specifically focusing in these things. So if you do uh, have some knowledge about them and I've missed the point, please, uh, you know, either send a text message down below or uh, speak up and glad to have you correct me. Um, it's about 500 hertz wide, as I recall. So it's uh, twice as wide. I'm sorry, it's not, it, the, uh, the MFSK32 signal is a different uh, number of tones and, and such is about 500 hertz wide, which is twice as much as what the MFSK16 signal is. So it's, uh, it's probably like a, a log type of relationship. I didn't, I didn't mean to say log, probably nonlinear is, is just my point. Maybe like the square. Okay, so um, <clears throat> let's see. Okay, thank you. Somebody uh, said MFSK is multiple frequency shift keying. Let's get into Hellschreiber, or called Hell. So this, this is Hell. If you've never been to Hell, this is probably uh, as close as you're going to get it, at least right now. And uh, this is the one of the... Uh, Again, one of the oldest digital modes. It was created in 1929, and it's a bit different from most other data modes. When receiving hell, uh, a hell signal, your eyes actually do the filtering. We talked about protocols and decoding and modulation and such. This is like a fax machine. It's kind of like a fax machine. You're sending an image, a bitmapped image, of what your message is from your screen, your local screen, and it comes up looking just like this, and you see it scrolling by, your eyes actually do the filtering, and it's pretty good. For example, we can see, uh, even if, if we missed uh, one line, it looks like, I'm not, I'm not sure if he was repeating or if it's done that way normally, call your RST 579-579-QSB. Uh, so um, it, it's able to kind of, you're able to make uh, some inferences because of the text. It's a ticker tape type of display. And it has a very distinctive grating sound, and it is a very narrow band uh, uh, signal. So let's uh, click on it. So you can see that uh, you know um, it, you can pick that out. You can pick that out upstairs cool darn dog um so you can notice that uh, uh that kind of a sound on the band pretty pretty well and uh weak signals can be decoded because of the your eye brain coordination the combination actually fills in the blanks um so it, it's a good mode for for that kind of uh, purpose all right now packet is um um it's, as it says there, it's declining in popularity, but it was really good, really popular back in the early days of microcontrollers and then beyond. But still, I think it, I, at least that's when I first kind of came across it in 1980s, early 80s. And uh, we would have radio, um, RBBSs, um, RBBS radio bulletin board systems, something like that, whereby you would uh, send a message and it would get posted onto a server someplace what we call today a server, but it would be a BBS um, 
uh, node, and it would display your messages. And the messages were stored and forwarded to other users. It had a data rate of about 300, well, of 300, with 1,200 and 9,600 baud being commonplace in VHF and uh, in UHF. Um, now, this picture shows, uh, uh, I say that it's a BBS in Turkey. I'm not sure how I knew that, but nonetheless, it was negotiating um, with another BBS. And uh, apparently, there's a short burst in there that um, maybe we're going to hear when we give it a try. And then longer bursts is actual data. Let's give a listen to this one. Kind of a bland, uh, a bland signal. It's definitely you, you can tell that there's probably some um, uh, information in there, but uh, it's definitely uh, uh, not as egregious or standoutish as some of the other ones, especially not as much as uh, Olivia, which comes next. Now, Olivia, besides being the hero on the TV program Fringe, which I love. Um, uses eight tones over a 256, uh, um, 256 bandwidth uh, uh, swath. And it's really fairly new digital mode. And it's really resistant to fading and QRM. I think here's where you really come into the point of understanding when you have multiple tones or multiple levels. You get a degree of, of uh, data redundancy, which is used by the protocols to help recover some of the data, um, or help to dig out some of the data from the low, uh, from the low signal levels that that are coming at you, and uh, again, if, if this one will we'll, we'll sound off this one here, and then we'll talk a little more about it. So you, in your mind's eye, you can probably almost hear, almost see those, uh, those different tones, those different uh, frequencies, kind of eight tones popping up in various times and, and, uh, and actually see them appearing and actually appearing in the, um, in the spectrum display. Now they each, um, um, transmissions are pretty slow. It's a two to three characters a second, but you know when when you really want to dig out uh, uh, a signal or have it be resistant to fading and QRM, any slow transmission, even a slow transmission, is better than no contact at all. So again, this might be something that is applicable for MCOM emergency communications when times get rough and you want to choose a digital mode. This might be something that you could uh, give it a try there. Um, as I said there, to avoid interference to other stations, you can start with Olivia at, um, at a full kilohertz. Uh, transmission on a full kilohertz. That is, I'm not sure what I meant by that, but uh, uh, it's, it's good for some communications when, when you have fading band. Now, ALE, Automatic Link Encryption, oh, I do that every time, Automatic Link Establishment, ALE, is, is kind of an interesting one because it's not necessarily communication, it's setting up the, um, it, it's setting up the channel for uh, uh, subsequent communications. 
And somebody mentioned um, last time I was talking about this, that this is a pretty good ship. This is often used for ship to shore. Like if you're an incoming ship to port, you would use an ALE uh, protocol to establish the link such that further communications can then, you know, go on. Again, this, I think, is... Uh, I'm not sure hams use this as much as other services do. Let's click on this one. Pretty distinctive. And again, it's uh, um, used to set up endpoints of a communications link, you know, without any human intervention. So it sets up the addresses, sets up whatever kind of uh, systems need, uh, the system variables on each side, such that a next communications establishment can, uh, can occur. Okay, so now let's go into JT65. That's kind of a, um, that's the newest one that I was talking about. And this, of course, is a, uh, um, this is a result of Dr. Joe Taylor um, and his work um, with, I don't have the full history, so I know some of you guys are, are really uh, uh, following Joe and where he comes from and what his work was originally uh, targeted for, like in the, in the space field, low power, low dis, uh, massive distance communications. So uh, JT, Joe Taylor is what that stands for, is 65, is the, is the communications method, is the communications mode of, um, of which Whisper is a, uh, um, is a beacon that we're probably all familiar with. We've heard of Whisper beacons, low power beacons that ultimately show up on far away servers and you can determine how well the propagation path is by how well you can see your signal transmitted, say, here in Baltimore on a server and a receiver um, over in the UK. And you can actually see your, your signal. It's a very slow, uh, slow speed um, signal. The, the signals are virtually inaudible, you know, because it's uh, um, the algorithm is able to encode it and then decode it such that uh, you can dig that the receiving side can dig it out of the mud uh, pretty pretty well. Now, here's here's a good point to to, to kind of uh, illustrate bandwidth versus versus uh, signal to noise ratio. And many of the low um, low uh, uh, low power and uh, weak signal receiving systems utilize this principle. We use it every day ourselves. Um, the narrower your bandwidth of your receiving that you're receiving the better that you're able to hear a signal that is contained within that bandwidth. I'm saying this is the Shannon um, information transfer theory stated in kind of everyday terms. And if you're listening to a CW signal on 40 meters, and it's crowded, you know, and you've got your filter cranked wide open, you're going to hear every signal in there. And overall, the signal to noise ratio is going to be a little bit lower than if you were able to crank that filter all the way down such that maybe 50 hertz. I love operating 50 hertz when I'm in a good QSO with somebody because it uh, I don't hear anything else going on and I know exactly where he's transmitting and I can have my filter right there and that's uh, the ideal condition. That's the basis for some low, most low power types of communications. If the sign, if you know where the signal is precisely and down to you know using GPS timing signals as the source of your of your tuning and you um, you tune your receiver to precisely that frequency, you can have a narrow bandwidth that enables you to have a tremendous signal-to-noise ratio in that, uh, in that signal. Now, on the transmitting side, 
here's here's the catch. There's no free lunch, of course. In order to have low bandwidths on transmitting, you normally have to go slower. This is simplified, but nonetheless, you know, slow transmissions. Let's talk CW. So CW transmit. You might some of you might have heard of um, 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 Joe. What was the name of that again? SS uh, uh, ESS? coherent CW. Yeah. Coherent CW, CCW. Yeah, CCW, and there's even a modern version of it um, that some people use where the dits are like on the order of three seconds or four seconds or even a minute, and a da is correspondingly three times longer. So the slower that you go, the lower bandwidth that is being used, the narrower your bandwidth is that's being transmitted. And again, if you're on the receiving side and you're, and you're tuned precisely to that frequency that the person is transmitting slowly at, you'll be able to have a correspondingly narrow filter. You know, 50 hertz, 20 hertz, 10 hertz, um, in order to receive that signal and it's with, with very great signal-to-noise ratio, which means also if he's transmitted with low power, you'll still be able to pick him out. That's the basis for a lot of low-power communications where you're able to um, use an encoding scheme. Again, it's slow. Um, for the reasons that I stated, and it's got other re error recovery in there, and uh, um, and it's good for so they're very slow commute, and it's much even it's even much slower than that. Um, I'm talking to I don't know if Paul is in here. Um, Paul from California, I don't see him. Um, he was telling me that his QSOs um, are something like four minutes just to exchange the RST and, you know, confirm the contact. So there's a place for everything and there's a price for everything. Let's uh, click on JT65. As you can hear, or not, there's uh, this not, it, it's pretty faint. It's pretty uh, hard to detect in there, but that's a transmission of some sort. All right, so that we're going to go with there. There are a lot of other ones. There's slow scan TV, um, MFSK 32, uh, th oh, Throb. Throb is way cool. Maybe I can get that real quick. I'll give you a treat here if I can make this happen. Oops, I've got to turn my audio on. Yeah, Throb is just way cool. Okay. So if you ever wanted to throb along, uh, you would use throb. And uh, I'm not sure at the moment what its you know big characteristics are. Um, it's a new digital mode, I know that. And, and it's not quite as popular as some of the other ones we've talked about. But there are, and there are very various different uh, variations of throb. Throb one second, throb two seconds, throb four seconds. It, this gets really wacko. I'll tell you, it's, it's funny how um, there are different capabilities or different modes for different situations and such. But usually there is a reason driving the generation of a new protocol. And whether it's, again, for a service like taxicab, uh, frequency selection, fre uh, speaker muting, uh, military, and such, there's, there's, uh, there's a reason for it. Okay, let's go on to actually designing a digital station. Um, but first, are there any questions about the material here? I'm talking continuously. I apologize that about that, but uh, I wanted to cover a lot of material here tonight. Any questions? Alrighty. Um, 
As far as digital, uh, putting together your digital station, pretty much all you need is an SSB transceiver. And what I have pictured there is, a, I don't know, FT875. I don't know what the numbers are, but it's like an eight, it's a big brother of the uh, 817. Um, you need a sound card. And ideally, you want to have as good a sound card as you can get. You can use, For all of these, you can just use the built-in sound card on your computer, but you'll get a better performance if you use an external um, uh, sound card. And, uh, of course, a computer. Faster the better is usually always the case. Is usually the case. Um, but even slow computers, if you've got a slow computer, uh, you can give it a shot. So most people have SSB transceivers here. It's really cool if you can get one that is uh, uh, not just the ham bands, but as general coverage, because then you can get outside the ham bands and hear the different kinds of military, taxi cab, and other services, uh, the tones there, and try decoding those. Now, for the computer, um, the computer is the computer. I mean, uh, Windows um, is the most popular one, but they do have programs, software programs, for uh, that work in the Macs and, uh, and uh, use uh, on Linux and so on. But again, it's possible to use it's possible to use the built-in sound card and uh, but if you have an external one like the next uh, slide says um, this is one that I use here in my my shop and I really like it it's the stereo and I'll only mention this once in passing stereo it's good to have stereo if you're going to go get a sound card get a stereo one <clears throat> for sure and this will enable you to handle um, uh, the I and Q channels of SDR. And uh, I'm not going to get into that at all this time. We'll talk about SDR in another session. But if you're going to take in audio signals, it's nice to have a, a good quality stereo A to D card uh, or sound card. And um, in the higher frequency coverage, the better. Typically, the ideal, as I say there, is like 24 bits of decoding and 96 kilohertz at least. You can go up to 120, oh gosh, I don't know. Terry, do you know? Well, Terry's offline. Um, you all probably have heard of even higher than 96 kilohertz sampling rates. So uh, uh, the, the more the better, because that really determines the, how much swath, how much RF spectrum that, you, that you're able to see on your software screen as you're uh, um, tuning across. Now, external sound cards are, are made by ham radio vendors. Uh, we see something there from Signalink. That's a very popular one. I'd like to get that someday for myself. Rig Expert is another one. MFJ makes one of these as they make one of everything. And uh, Rig Blaster is the ever popular one. They're in the order of about 100 bucks, $150 or more. But again, it comes with some extra little doodahs that make it really, um, really nice for ham radio use. Now, the sound card itself... The sound card interface is uh, um, pretty simple. You just take the output from your transceiver, the audio output. You put it to the mic in. No, you, you put to yeah to the to the mic in, <laughs> and you take the audio out from your sound card and put that ultimately through some type of an interface to your mic in. You transmit audio in. In other words, you're using you're taking the audio output of your transceiver and you're putting it into your computer sound card, and the sound card is decoding it and displaying the results on the screen. If you were to have a transmitting station, you would, uh, anything that you type on the screen in this PC application would get sent out the sound card, like to the speaker, quote unquote, 
but you have that patched over to the input of your of your um, your transceiver, so it's like audio signal going in, like I was describing at the start of the presentation. And you can make your own interface; it's really not too hard. Oftentimes, you just need to buffer the uh, buffer the audio output, or um, provide a little bit of gain, or uh, impedance match it in some sort. Um, this one here, this circuit here, uh, deals with the PTT switching. So these programs, these digital mode programs, are able to actually perform the PTT switching to your transceiver too, such that whenever you type on that keyboard, it puts your transceiver into transmit mode and types the uh, the characters that you're typing in the keyboard out through the audio interface of the of the computer, modulated in this in the manner of the protocol that you're using or the mode that you're using, and it gets transmitted as SSB on your uh, uh, under the airways now there's a lot of different kind of software that's around um, I mentioned FL digi um, there's digi pan digi pan is very cool um, skip Taylor um, skip uh, oh shucks skip uh, I forgot skips last name now in co-inventor of uh, digi pan um, is uh, skip teller teller I was close thank you uh, he's a great guy and and I really, really enjoy using uh, DigiPan. It's been around uh, for a while, and he's kept it current and added new features. But it's only good for PSK31 and uh, some of the others, like FL Digi and Win. Win. Um, uh, I won't. I'm going to concentrate on FL Digi for tonight. So here you can see FNL and FL Digi, FL Digi screens, and uh, it's. Uh, a, pretty characteristic of most of these modes and you actually see that an area for transmitting which is uh, uh, I think that's the one in that has the yellow background is where you put your cursor to type characters and I might be mistaken and the there's another field for the incoming characters that are getting displayed that from you know the sending station there's all sorts of controls in the upper left hand window that allow you to select the mode Maybe select a memory location, um, kind of record other kinds of information, operator name, RST, contesting if you're working at it. And it's just really a really handy thing. DigiPan, on the other hand, is well, on, on, on very similar. But again, here's a view of DigiPan, and it's a little bit more compact and altogether as far as uh, having the screen and the controls all together. What you type is down in the... Uh, um, well, this one here, I guess the typing in the yellow, and then he has different signals that are being received simultaneously. Uh, one is from KK5LQ, another one is from DJ8RP, or actually from WM2U. So um, it's a, it's an easy way, and, and get FL Digi. It's a free download. See the reference at the end of this um, presentation, and uh, you can actually download it and install it on your computer. Once you get that going, probably have a sound card. All you have to do is get like a patch cable to go between the audio output of your transceiver to the stereo in or to the input connector on your uh, your computer sound card, and you'll be in business. That's all it takes. Now, lastly, is uh, you don't need a computer to do all of this. Look at me now. You don't need a computer to do all of this. You don't need no stinking computer if you've got the new PSK modem. Um, digital modem that 
uh, Milt, W-A-N-U-I, and I, and uh, uh, Dave Collins, A-J-A-D-D-D-D-A-D-A-J-T, I think, um, have been developing. And it's um, now like four years, five years running, extra modes, extra capabilities, just recently added CW. And it's a great way to go to the field. You don't have to take your computer. That's very difficult to see in the daylight anyways. Probably more expensive that you don't want to kind of sling it in your backpack and drop it or you let dew accumulate on it overnight uh, during night operating. So you can take this little box about the same size as your radio, a keyboard that plugs into it, add some batteries, and man, you're in business. Uh, so there's an easy way to get into uh, into digital mode on the, in the field. And again, the new PSK modem is referenced in the at the bottom of the slides here. Now, once again, listen to me very carefully. Look at me. Be careful with the audio levels. It's incredibly important not to overmodulate digital signals. A, it's not going to help you on being received too well. And B, it's going to make you the outlaw of the, uh, the ham bands because nobody likes to have, uh, uh, I won't use some of the words, but digital stuff going on in the ham bands, which is characterized by overmodulated signals. As you can see in the picture here, and that guy with a with a headache because of it. Uh, there's a lot of splatter. There's multiple signals that appear, and it's going to like somebody said, Rick. It's going to blow your final amp because of all of the energy that's being transmitted far beyond what you have been set up to do. So there are some techniques with any uh, with any type of interface, and you can look this up on the internet on how to set your your digital mode to the appropriate your power level to the appropriate level for digital modes. In a nutshell. In a nutshell, if you've got an ALC indicator on your uh, on your screen, um, you can adjust the drive to your you know set up your set up your computer for normal power output. I meant to say set up your rig for normal power output. If it's a 10 watt rig or a 100 watt rig, set it up, load it if you will for 100 watts. But then only drive it with as much audio coming from your digital sound card or from the new PSK, such that you barely see the needle, the ALC needle start to move. As soon as you see it move, back it off just a little bit. That is the ideal level for your digital mode uh, settings. And chances are it's going to be about 40%, 40% of your uh, transmission, uh, your overall power that you have the ability to transmit. All right, we're done. The bottom line is like, what's stopping you from actually doing this now? Everybody here, by definition, has a computer, and I'll bet you a nickel that you've got a sound card in there. Everybody probably has uh, an SSB rig or uh, a uh, uh, shortwave listening, um, an SW, uh, a shortwave receiver, and you can take the output from that as long as that has a BFO of some sort. You're able to uh, get that and use that. Um, as your uh, source for listening, give a listen. You don't have to transmit it first. Just give a listen across the band. You'll have a ball. There's some really good uh, books out. I've listed maybe two or three of them in the references uh, section here. Um, you would do well. In fact, I just I gave away one of them. I just got another one, which is uh, Get on the... Oh, there it is. It's still in the box. Get on the Air with HF Digital. It's a fabulous book. And uh, it's really good. It's inexpensive from ARRL headquarters, and, and you could do a good job at that. So um, that's it.
I hope that maybe this gave you a little bit of insight about digital mode operation um, within the allocated time and uh, at least piqued your interest enough to give it a shot. And if you haven't yet given it a shot, you're going to be really pleasantly surprised. I offer my email here, um, n2apb at verizon.net, uh, as a very easy way to get some answers to questions if you have them, if you're too afraid to ask a question here in public. But definitely give it a shot. And again, nothing is, is the thrill that you'll get. The thrill that you'll get when making your first digital contact, and especially if it's a low-level signal that you can hardly see coming in on your uh, on the spectrum display of your computer or on the LCD display of the uh, new PSK modem. It's, it's just a ball. So, uh, Joe, why don't I toss it back to you for Q&A coordination, and we'll go from there. Very good, George. Very comprehensive. All right, we'll give George a chance to uh, rest his voice briefly. Um, but uh, I'm certain that uh, there may be some questions uh, from some of the folks out there. Uh, a lot of material covered. So um, if you have any questions about the material presented here tonight, uh, please uh, give, us a, uh, give us a holler now. I guess I have one general question. That is, where does the operator's uh, experience on recognizing what type of digital mode uh, is being uh, used versus uh, where does that end for the operator manually? Like, do you have to understand you know, what you're listening to and tell the software what mode it is, what type of digital mode it is so the software can do its thing, or, or does the software figure that out for you? Larry, you've—I think you get the award each week for not just asking questions. We love questions, but you ask really good questions, and that this one here is one of those. Um, for the most part, and I, I don't want to speak—you know—in absolute terms, but for the most part, you need to manually set the uh, uh, the decoding software um, to the proper mode that's being transmitted. It tends to be trial and error. Uh, you get a little handy with uh, knowing what what the mode is. I think even after today's session, you could probably pick Olivia out of a lineup. And uh, uh, we're familiar with Ready PSK as a very characteristic warble. In fact, after listening to it a little bit um, at length, you can go out in the backyard and let's see, this time of year we have peepers, little baby frogs out in the backyard. I swear they're talking to each other in PSK 31. I'll swear it. And just off the record, I, uh, I, I took out my uh, PSK, I took out my my uh, system out in the backyard and take, took the audio just to, just to double check, but they weren't, uh, I wasn't able to, to decode them. There is some software there and there's a, um, there's some software that attempts to do auto mode recognition, auto mode recognition. Um, I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Somebody might know some here, but there's an entire, my point is that there's an entire field of leading edge, amateur radio um, experimentation and discovery. And I'm not going to remember the exact name of it. We heard about it several times at uh, the Tapper uh, uh, digital um, ses sessions each year. Um, and it has to do with just that automatically recognizing the kind of communications that is being sent and switching the radio to that mode. We get low band, uh, lower side band, upper side band, um, FM or a specific kind of uh, digital mode. But that's the very leading edge, Larry, and I don't think anybody's doing a real good job of it just yet. 
Okay, thanks for the insight. Uh, Steve, Digital Steve, you're in the right place for sure, but you're not coming through. Your audio's not coming through. Um, and I see you click, click in your, uh, your uh, PTT key, but nothing's coming up. Uh, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I think uh, Steve, uh, for whatever reason, has been uh, blinking um, on and off uh, most of the uh, session. I believe that uh, Rick K3IND uh, wanted to get our attention. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, as usual, I want to toss in my two cents worth. Uh, a couple of months ago, uh, as I was getting started in ham radio again, I got interested in digital modes and learned a good deal about uh, many of them. But for those of you who just want to get not even your feet wet, but one toe wet, to just very easily uh, experience what digital modes uh, are like, or are, I would suggest that you download DigiPan. It's free. Uh, it's easy to install. You need one cable uh, from your audio out on your laptop or on your desktop uh, into your uh, uh, audio card, and you're ready to copy uh, what's going on uh, on using DigiPan. Uh, on top of which, you don't have to do anything. DigiPan will automatically decode all of the uh, signals that are in the band uh, and let you see all of them, and all you do is click on the one that you want to follow. Later on, when you're ready to uh, add a second cable so that you can transmit as well, uh, it'll take care of that as well. So it, it's, And there is huge amounts of help on the Internet uh, for people who are happy to tell you more than you would conceivably want to know uh, about uh, that particular mode. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, uh, DigiPan is uh, PSK31, and as George mentioned, it is a very, very popular uh, um, very popular mode. So there'll be lots of signals out there. I want to interject one thing that um, we picked up at uh, Tapper, or at uh, the um, Trend Computer Fest this weekend. Uh, one of the guys mentioned... Uh, even if you don't have a shortwave receiver, you can receive uh, shortwave signals from a uh, site called WebSDR, from which you can select um, shortwave receivers all over the world um, on the various handbands and other shortwave frequencies so that you can get a signal source for any of these digital signals and uh, pump them into either a uh, freestanding modem or the, uh, um, or the digital uh, software that you load right into your computer. So uh, uh, it's, it's kind of uh, it's kind of a little frustrating because you don't transmit, but at least you can receive uh, a number of signals that way. All right, are there any more questions? Well, we got several. I saw Milt's light first. Go ahead, Milt. Uh, yeah, just a quick comment. Um, I, I may have missed it earlier if you covered it, but I find that for most of the digital modes, there are gentlemen's agreements that they operate in particular portions of the band. Uh, for example, uh, PSK31 is typically uh, 70 to 73 kilohertz above the bottom edge of the band. Not always the case, but that's uh, fairly typical. And it makes it fairly easy to determine what kind of signal you're listening for now. Unfortunately, not all the modes do that. But if you uh, just Google on uh, digital modes and band plans, you'll generally find out where they are. That way, you don't have to spend a lot of time guessing as to which modes they are. Excellent comment, uh, Milt. Yeah. 
Uh, George kind of alluded to it, but uh, not with that depth. He he just did it in passing. That is a very good way to find uh, to get a an idea of <laughs> what mode you're listening to. Uh, someone else had a question. I believe it was Ray K2ULR. Yeah, Joe. I, I just wanted to uh, add the comment that uh, and put up a link for W4AX, another web receiver, and. Uh, on my computer, you don't even need a cable. Uh, you just uh, call up that web receiver and uh, run your digital software, and often as not, it'll acoustically couple into your uh, mic, as these days most uh, computers, uh, especially laptop, uh, have a mic built in, and you can just sit there and copy uh, to your heart's content that way. Very good, yeah. Yeah, that is a simple way to go. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, any more comments? Any questions, clarifications, or whatever? Yeah, this is David KB4FXC. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, I thought I'd mention also that, uh, as was just mentioned, uh, you might be surprised at the at the the quality of results you'll have uh, getting started out just using the microphone on your computer and uh, tune your receiver to uh, like some PSK3-1 signals. This won't work for some of the more complex modes, but for PSK3-1 and all, it will work. Just uh, tune around some PSK31 signals and uh, have some software such as DigiPan or any of the others running, and uh, you know you'll just suddenly see signals being decoded uh, as long as you're in a quiet room, and this that actually works quite well. Something else I wanted to mention is that there's some more software that is called Multi PSK. That's a uh, very elaborate uh, package for Windows uh, that that decodes most of the modes. It's a little bit. Uh, the interface is a little bit, uh, I guess, convoluted, a little complex to use, but it's very, very comprehensive. And uh, over time, that's uh, grown to be, I guess, pretty much my, uh, my, anyway, choice application under Windows. FL Digi is also excellent for uh, other environments such as Linux. Thank you very much. Always good to hear from uh, someone who's been around and has more, uh, more good information. All right, any more questions or comments? Yeah, it's Terry, WB4JFI. Yeah, I just uh, I provided a link for those of you who want to uh, mess with uh, simple sound card interfaces. Uh, Skip Teller, as uh, George was mentioning, uh, designed an interface about a year and a half ago. It was in QST, and it, the link is on the uh, on the uh, text um, for an interface. Basically, it's a couple transformers and then a, a, a sampler that detects the audio from the sound card. Um, and then creates a push to talk with the transistor. So it's a very simple interface. There's a question that came up earlier back a few uh, lines about no RS-232. So you can use something like that, either his or something like it, um, to interface to your rig. Fine, yes, that's to get the push to talk line, excellent. Yeah, more and more laptops these days, well, almost no laptops have RS-232. So uh, thank you, that's a very good, uh, very good tip. And uh, Skip Teller does first-class work. <clears throat> any any other comments, questions, or clarifications? Yeah, this is Dennis, 82DA. Uh, this week in the mail, I just received the um, ARL HF Digital Handbook. And I notice in uh, George's references that he also makes reference to the VHF Digital Handbook. Uh, are there any significant differences that maybe I should be interested in acquiring that VHF version? Um, the book that I was recommending was HF Digital. So I don't know what about VHF. We had a discussion, a brief discussion on the uh, new PSK um, list 
oh, several, three weeks ago. And there were some, uh, some people responded with great enthusiasm about VHF, um, uh, PSK 31 on VHF frequencies. And uh, they pointed me, I don't have it here, but I'll post it onto this list here on this webpage. The references as far as the frequencies and conventions and, and where to go for more information. But that's all I know about the VHF uh, digital spectrum. I don't, I don't, I don't use it personally. Uh, and my question was basically if anybody knew of the differences between the two books that might be worthwhile having both or whether the HF book would be sufficient. Uh, for me, I think the HF will be sufficient for getting started in digital. But I appreciate the comeback. Over. Okay, fine. Um, I believe I saw another light lighting. Any other questions? Well, just a comment. Okay, I think I got it. Uh, anyway, uh, you're not all, you're not just limited to Windows. There are a lot of Linux programs out there for digital communications, from slow scan TV to uh, PSK to multimode. So you're not limited just to Windows or, or Macintosh. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Very good. Yeah, and there are even some applications for some of the. Uh, I know for some of the older uh, Palm Pilots and uh, probably some of the uh, uh, some of the the new uh, phones and uh, tablet computers as well. Uh, yeah, uh, I believe FL Digi, which supports many, many different modes, works both with Windows and in Linux. I've used it on both. Yeah, and I know that um, I, I'll never remember his call. One of the guys, uh, Czechoslovakian guy, used to come to um, one of the Jersey QRP things, had it running on a um, pocket PC as, uh, as well. Yeah, All right. I, believe he, I believe he's still working on that, Wojtek. Wojtek, that's the guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. Sorry to see him go back to Czechoslovakia, but I'm sure his wife is happier. Okay, Georgia, any uh, closing comments on, uh, on, your, on your presentation? Thank you, Joe. No, I don't have anything other than I really urge guys to uh, give it a try. Um, I think a lot of you have. But still, there might be just a couple of uh, you or maybe the listeners of the podcast in weeks to come. Um, haven't had a chance yet to try it. There isn't a better time than right now. And uh, it, it's just so simple with technology that we've got these days. Simple audio patch cable, stereo or otherwise, is all you need from your rig to the computer sound card and you'll be in business. As Milt said, FLDG uh, FL is, is uh, an easy thing to do on either the Windows or Linux platforms. And um, it's a cinch to install. It's free. And um, you'll be in operation in no time at all. Very good. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, I can remember my early days with Riddy. I worked for a company who uh, made uh, RTTY modems designed by uh, W2JAV. And uh, I can remember, wow, <laughs> using an old Helicrafter's receiver and modifying a uh, CW transmitter to uh, have a little capacitor to get the... Uh, 850 hertz uh, frequency shift and had a model 15 uh, teletype sitting on my operating desk. I had to take it off the operating desk because it shook the desk so badly that it detuned the transmitter and I got unwanted uh, FSK from it. <laughs> okay, enough levity. Very good. Uh, thank you very much, George, for your, uh, your presentation. A lot of excellent information and uh, some very valuable references. I can tell you, uh, it's it has been a few years since I started with digital modes. Uh, 
I dabble uh, every couple of years getting back into it. And uh, it's always fun. And there's always new stuff coming out to make it even, even more enjoyable. Um, that's it for this evening. We thank you all for participating. Thanks very much for your uh, pointed questions. Um, excellent uh, questions to, uh, to expand the topic and to get some clarifications. This is uh, Joe N2CX and uh, George N2APB. We're going to close the session now. We'll be back next week, uh, 8 o'clock um, Eastern Daylight Standard Time on this channel. Um, actually, uh, next week, I suppose, will be the NJQRP channel, which is one up uh, on the TeamSpeak 3. Um, it'll be uh, ostensibly uh, a New Jersey QRP meeting, so um, we may have a little less formality, but uh, uh, we will have a topic uh, similar to the one this evening, and we encourage all to uh, join in. Thank you all for participating. And, uh, up uh, uh, one more question, I suppose. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I had a question kind of for the group. Uh, I've got a, a Flex 1500, uh, so I'm rather heavily in the SDR uh, area. Uh, and of course, there are a plethora of different SDR software packages. But with the, the only exception being Rocky, which is one of the most basic possible SDR pieces of software, uh, people don't seem to be interested in building in all kinds of uh, digital mode capabilities. Those always have to be added on, and people who've gotten into it understand things about virtual audio cables and other things that can make it very complex, whereas it would be very simple if it was just built right into the software. Do you know if there's any movement in that direction? I'm not sure what you uh, what you mean, Rick, as far as having it built into the software. If you talk about Rocky, what would you like to have built into Rocky? No, Rocky was uh, probably the only uh, SDR software I know that has uh, PSK31 built in. You simply select it off of a menu, and you're ready to go. It's uh, it's part of the SDR software itself, but. Uh, this business of having to download somebody else's software and get it all to interact with your SDR control software. Uh, it, it seems like an ideal way to, to upgrade the, your SDR uh, software by adding coverage for digital modes. Um, I follow you now. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's just a matter of uh, whoever is developing the programs and the product You know, has perhaps limited time and such. It would be nice to have each software program, you know, be able to support many different digital modes um, instead of just PSK31 or maybe instead of nothing else. And if you don't have it, some of the gyrations you're talking about, virtual audio cables uh, would take the output from one program, say uh, FL Digi, and then pump it into, pump it into a, uh, your SDR program. And you'd have to, it's, it's, it's kind of cumbersome and confusing. But Milton, I can speak certainly from experience um, and uh, that, you know, there's limited time that we have and everybody would like to see the new PSK cover all of these different modes and then some. And it just takes a while to build them in and a lot of personal time to get there. We do do that, but it just doesn't come at the rate that some people would like. And I think that's the case with most applications that we see on the net. Um, I think, you know, if I were to forecast, I think we'll get there in... It just takes some time. Okay. Um, 
I think uh, with that, we're uh, a little over our uh, general time. We usually try to shoot for an hour. Uh, if you have more questions, uh, feel free to send them to uh, George. Uh, and his uh, email address has been uh, posted in the link. All right, um, 73 to all. Uh, this is Joe NUCX and George N2APB. See you next week. Good night, everybody. Thanks an awful lot for coming. We'll, we'll talk to you next week as well. Please tune in next week for the next session of Chat with the Designers. Thank you.